hello, welcome to episode 380 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I am coming to you after the Kings end their road trip with a loss. Their season-long, possibly one of the franchise-long, um, seven-game road trip. Uh, they, with a loss to the Cavaliers, 110-136. to Not pretty, by any means. Uh, but we will go through it. It's actually, I actually have an opinion that may surprise some people, maybe a little bit more optimistic than some, but um, that score makes probably makes it look a lot worse than it actually was. It was not really a 26-point loss, I guess. Uh, but uh, before we get into it, Fong is not here. Uh, unfortunately, he was not able to watch this game. Look, these, these goddamn East Coast games, they're pissing me off right now, honestly. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll power through it. Uh, he sh hopefully will be back next episode. It, the, the schedule is very messy right now, unfortunately. And even though uh, the next game with Detroit at home um, is, you know, normal time, 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time, uh, we'll see if he can actually join. Our, our schedules are very messy right now, so... He'll be back when he's back, but I cannot guarantee he will be here next episode. But either way, you're going to be getting me, no matter what. So yeah, I guess get used to that. <laughs> Anyways, so the Kings lose to the Cavaliers in a game that honestly basically just boiled down to one side hit more threes than the other. And I don't think it was like terrible defense now don't get me wrong the kings did not play good defense this game they it, it basically started out as a shootout and unfortunately once you kind of establish that that is what kind of game it's gonna be it's really hard to turn the dial the other way when you need some defense they basically start both teams start out hot they just made you know basically a lot of crazy threes uh to start the game and again, they established it was going to be a shootout. And the Kings were able to keep up with the Cavs decently well uh, in the first quarter. They It was a 39 to 34 Cavs advantage. So only down five. They, they made some crazy shots to just, you know, keep up with them. But as the second quarter went down, that which it ended up being the difference maker. The Kings cooled down from three, like how they normally do. They simply can never truly sustain an entire game of really, really great shooting despite running good offense. Um, so in the third quarter, or in the second quarter, the Kings were outscored 35 to 25. And that was, this is basically the difference in the game. Because the Kings, again, I didn't think they played terrible especially on offense i thought their offense was actually pretty good for the most part they, they did go shot for shot for a long time outside of the second quarter but you know when they needed their defense it just wasn't there and here's the other thing the the calves just would not miss from three you know uh they ended up hitting 23 threes this game shot 56 percent from three so they they just shot incredible and, you know, Donovan Mitchell was 5 of 11, which isn't a, isn't a great number, but that's five makes. Max Drew, 6 of 10. It just felt like he never missed. And then you have Karis LeVert and Sam Merrill both hitting three threes, um, three threes of uh, each. And then you have Dean Wade and Izo Coro, 2 for 2 from 3. 
it's hard it's hard to beat a team when so many of them shoot so well some of them were in garbage time but i think only sam merrill had his threes and uh, had an extra three in garbage time but that gives you just kind of a feel about just how on fire they were they just kept shooting and they kept making them and here's the thing don't get me wrong there was a lot of bad defense where they just left a shooter open but there were a lot of shots where it's a long three that's not like heavily contested by any means there's like there's a kind of a hand up but it's not really something that really bothers a shooter but it was a lot of these long threes that i was willing to live with because you know as far as i know i'm looking at this Cavs roster is not a lot of great shooters now max Struz is a shooter but as far as i know i don't think he shot well this season let me just check really quickly he is shooting 33% from three. So yeah, of course it makes sense for him to actually, you know, be absolutely on fire from three. But yes, the, the Cavs just could not miss from three. And then there were and there were a lot of moments as well where the Kings could not shut off the paint either. And the on-ball defender on the perimeter just unfortunately just gave up a lot of easy drive to the basket, collapse the defense. And then of course, when you collapse on when you collapse inside the paint. There's going to be open shooters. There were a few of those, but a lot of it was just long, 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 long threes that just would not miss. And then there were uh, possessions in transition where it just felt like they never missed. And it was a lot of threes as well. And the thing is, I thought the Kings were actually pretty decent in transition this game. They like contested threes. They kind of shut off the paint, but then someone would just, you know, pull up from three, like way outside, and then they would just make it. And not much that the Kings could really do in that respect. Now, of course, you, you we really do need to talk about like how bad their like half court defense can be sometimes because you know guys get stuck on screens and then it's a free reign to the to the rim. And the, the Kings should have made an adjustment. They did make it in the fourth quarter and kind of made a slight run, but uh, but it was too little, too late. They actually trapped the uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell a few times in the fourth quarter. And it worked because the Cavs don't actually have real, really that much dribble penetration. It's Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and like on some possessions, you can you can uh, you can do Karis Levert, but they don't have guys that can put the ball on the floor. And what the Kings really should have done is that they should have trapped uh, Garland and Mitchell a lot more, and forced the other guys to try and make plays. And I thought there were plenty of plays. Plenty of times when when the shooters put the ball on the ground, it was not pretty. But the Kings didn't do that. They let they let Garland and uh, Mitchell just kind of dictate, you know, it's kind of dictate the offense, and they just let them get too many easy buckets. And yeah, when you don't protect the paint, and when you when the other team just refuses to miss from three. There's only so much you can do. And it really does kind of wipe away that the Kings, again, did not really play bad on offense. You know, uh, they they themselves made 17 threes. They only made four four less or no, six less than they six less than the uh than the Cavs. But and the Cavs actually shot less overall. They were 23 of 41, while the Kings were 17 of 44. On an in a normal game, 17 of 44 isn't all that bad, honestly. But it was one of those games where, again, the Cavs just did not miss from three and there's only so much you can do when you just you know when you just cannot get stops the kings try to make plenty of runs like in the second half and 
in, in the third quarter, I thought they actually played a pretty good quarter in terms of just being able to score. Like they they actually matched a lot of the Cavs threes, but they just could not get consistent stops. And whenever they could like get consistent stops, like or like you know one or two stops in a row, something would happen and the Cavs would just end up with making a three somehow. Like Sabonis, even though I thought he had a very good game, like he got stripped by Max Struess twice, like after he gets a rebound, which you never really see, like. You know he get he gets a defensive rebound and Max Strews twice snuck up behind him and slapped the ball out of his hands and and uh, one of them I think he did he put him back in for a putback and then the other one he hit a three that you know again killed all the momentum that they had built. It was just one of those kinds of games where just a, not a lot of things went the went the Kings' way and they didn't help themselves either by again playing playing pretty not great defense. But the Cavs just would not miss from three. And then, like, there were just, like, hustle plays that a guy like Max Strews made that gave the Cavs energy. So, you know, ultimately, am I mad that they lost this game? Not really. Like, it's just one of those games. I guess the end of a road trip. And you're going, you're coming in against a soup, a seething hot, like smoking hot uh, Cavs team that I think, I think at this point is what 14 of have won the last 14 of 15. And you can see why, like, you know, they don't miss three. So like, it's hard to beat a team that just can't miss from three. And, you know, kind of has, kind of has like a, a, I guess a style that they've kind of figured out. Although a lot of it is done with only a Mitchell and not without Garland and Mobley. And, you know, I have my thoughts on those guys. I thought Garland was really good. Uh, Mobley, I thought was, he's a bit soft for my liking. Um, he's, a, he's a good defensive player, but on offense, he has such a long way to go. And it is a lot of it is just because he's really, like, soft, I feel. He doesn't seek out contact. And, you know, like, he, he doesn't really have touch around the rim, and he can't really shoot. So, like, it, it's tough. So, you know, I, I, I liked, I like Evan Mobley, but you know, it's, it's his third year and it's just, there needs to be more improvement on that end. Um, the way, the reason why I'm talking about this is again, you had like dribble penetrators. Well, you have two dribble penetrators and that's it. And you could have like played Evan Mobley. You could just played off of Evan Mobley or Jared Allen when one of them were in there. And the other thing was Sabonis did not attack these guys enough. Like, don't get me wrong. These are very, they're very good uh, defensive big men, but they're, they're skinny. Again, they're, they're pretty soft. Like Sabotis, you know, it's almost to a fault of his own, like was just too busy setting up guys this game. You know, he ended up, he had, ended up with 15 assists. He had, I believe eight or seven or eight in the first quarter. And that kind of got, got the Kings into a rhythm, but I thought, I thought the Kings should have went inside more and it start, it should have started with Sabonis and Fox where, you know, Sabonis can just bullied his way through guys uh, this game. And I thought he should have just honestly just done it more. And maybe the Kings would have more of a chance. And then Fox, like, like, look, don't get me wrong. He, he's improved so drastically from three that I'm okay with a lot of the threes he takes. But I do feel he settles for it for a little too much. Like, maybe there's an injury going and you hopefully like he hopefully he has time to heal it up like during all-star break. But right now, like, there's a lack of aggression from him. And, you know, you, you look at this Cavs defense, it's a lot of barbecue chicken, a lot, lot of really bad mismatches all throughout the game, and they just didn't take advantage either. 
again, they played well on offense, but you know, it, it, they could even play better because like the big, the big example that I, that I, that just caught my eye is that you had like little guys on, on Murray and sometimes Barnes and even Herter. And you just didn't run action to take advantage of, of that size. And, you know, like, there's just something that the Kings just have to figure out. You need to be able to adjust your plan on the fly. And I just didn't think they did that enough. And then, of course, like just not being able to play defense, not being able to get stops, it was the big issue this game. Otherwise, I thought they played a good offensive game, but they were simply outshot by the other team. And just digging themselves into that hole uh, in the second quarter was kind of what doomed them. Like, Again, they put, they actually scored one more point in the third quarter than than the uh, than the Cavs, but they they were they still had a fourteen point hole, and then and then they just could not string together enough uh, stops in the fourth quarter. They they couldn't string together stops and scores in, in the fourth quarter. Like they got it down to ten at one point, but then De'Aaron like they get a stop after after that, and De'Aaron just comes comes uh, comes down the court and shoots a and shoots a pull up three. And that was kind of what like busted their momentum, and they never they were never close again. The let the lead just kept growing after that, and they couldn't buy a bucket. Again, there there's some decision making stuff. They need to be able to adapt to situations a little better. Like perhaps like when playoffs playoff time comes around, like Fox just turns it into another level. I don't like seeing him settle for three sometimes. Like it, it, you're going for the kill shot, even though like you're down. You don't need to get your momentum all, all all at once. Like get a good shot, and I think a lot of times a pull up three is not what I would go for. So ultimately, it's just one of those games where the other team was hot, so your margin of error was just so small, and they just could not get it together to really make a run. And you know, in a way, it's a bit of kind of like the world, like what what goes around comes around. Like you go back to when the Cavs played played the Kings in the Golden One Center. The Kings could not miss from three that game. They actually didn't shoot as well, but it was it's kind of the same idea. Like they just they absolutely destroyed the Cavs from three. And then like they used that like offensive momentum to fuel their defense. And like they were able to shut down the Cavs for stretches. And but but instead, like the script flipped when they went to Cleveland. And instead of like the Kings like not being able to miss from three, it ended up being uh the Cavs this time around. And you know, again, that that offense kind of fueled their defense and you see why they've been so hot lately or they've been so good lately. They just, they're, they're running good offense and they're, they're kind of just utilizing like as much advantage as they can. A lot of guys are playing well, like a guy like Isaac Okor, who I don't really like all that much just because he's really an offensive zero. He was two for two from three, from three this game. And the thing is I'm okay. I was okay with the threes he took. Like, granted, wide-ass open, in rhythm, no no one near him, but he's the guy you want to leave open. But he hit his two threes, and he, and he also, like, got to the line. He made plays. All, very good, like, despite not being a, a, like, really an offensive threat, I I know, like, he's shooting a good percentage. No one's guarding him out there, okay? Don't, don't, you, don't you ever worry about that. Uh, really good defensive player. I was really impressed with the way he was able to kind of stay in front of Fox, and he made Fox hesitate like on just driving against them because he he's a he's enough of a deterrent there. So, really impressive stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of my review. A little bit a little bit all over the place in terms of just uh kind of my explanation. But the point the what the game boiled down to is that the Cavs made a lot of threes. 
and the Kings did couldn't match them the entire game. They they wanted to play this you know offensive game um, where both both teams just uh, basically just traded traded buckets, but the Kings blinked first. And when they try to turn up the intensity, it, it, they just couldn't like get it together all at once. So that's basically the summary of the game. The Kings finally finished their long-ass road trip. They will be coming back to the G1C on Wednesday to face the Detroit Pistons. And if you if you've ever seen a trap game, that's a fucking trap game right there. Like uh, the Pistons, I don't. Well, I, I hesitate to say that they're better. But they, they did pick up a win against a fully healthy Thunder team. I don't know what the hell happened there, but they seem to be kind of figure, maybe figuring some stuff out. And, you know, the first game back in your home court is always a rough one. And then I think they play the Nuggets right after, so that's not exactly going to be easy either. So, you know, the, the Kings really did a good job of kind of just maintaining some momentum or building some momentum during this road trip. And again, like a seven game road trip where you go five and two, you'll take that any day. And let's see if they can kind of keep up that momentum. Um, again, Detroit, still the worst team in the league. Not much has changed. They have picked up, I think, two wins since then. So good for them. And I think they have everyone healthy. So I think, no, I think Beef Stew's out. Let me, let me check real quick. Yeah, Beef Stew's, yeah, Beef Stew's going to be out for that game for sure. But you know, like, we've seen that the Kings, like, when the other team has a bunch of guys injured, they don't always perform well. It's it's, it's a tradition like no other, right? So we'll see what happens. Um, it, it will also be the only game between now and the trade deadline. And, you know, not a lot of updates on the trade market, uh, on the trade front. Like Kings are Kings still like the idea of Kuzma. Uh, the, I guess the one update that I saw today was that the Kings are interested in Delon Wright, and Delon Wright can probably, uh, at least a lot of people speculate, can be had for one second round pick. It's not like anyone's gonna like you know jump 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 or like you know they're not gonna give the moon to get Delon Wright. Like the price probably isn't that high. You can probably get him for a second round pick, and you might be able to finally undo that trade, that horrible trade that you did, that Monty did where. It was a three-team trade where he traded the line for Tristan Thompson, basically. Like, ugh, that that was that was awful. Um, you know, bring bring Delon right back. Um, you know, you trade a second-round pick, and then you can add a player in there, and maybe Chris Duarte, or you know, maybe even Davion Mitchell. Even though I, I would I would be very sad to see Davion Mitchell go. Delon Wright just probably ends up being a better fit on this team, and we've seen him like be able to fit on the Kings before, and. You know he he's thirty one this year I think or he's in he's in his thirties so but he's still an effective player so that that's an interesting look um, Dorian Finney Smith uh, the price seems to have gone down on him it seems to be just one draft one first round pick now and then Royce O'Neal is probably two seconds um, look we don't we don't know like the pricing of it I would be interested in Dorian Finney Smith but it really does depend on what you have to give up. Like I'm okay with giving up Barnes for him, and but like at, at this point with Barnes playing so well, he's actually kind of become a staple of this team. But you know the the Kings the Kings could use a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, and again you just have to see what you have to give up. Like if it, it it's weird to say, but like if you have to give up like Trey Lyles, I, I don't know. Like a lot of people are like bring up Trey Lyles' name. It's not like they're trying to straight up like trade him, like be gone, like. 
I just like he just he has a seven he has an eight million dollar contract and it fits well into a lot in a lot of trades. So you know, I, I I like Trey has really kind of established himself here. Like he started that book club thing uh with the sack library. Like I thought that was really cool. And it'd just be really sad that, you know, he finally finds a home essentially in the NBA and like the and, and at the first chance almost you, you trade him away. That's why like look I guess like if Kuzma can really be had for one pick and like some mix of players and Trey is involved in that mix of players, like I am, I'm almost tempted to say no, but like, look, an upgrade in talent is upgrade in talent. You got to give up something good to, to get something good. Like that's just how trades work. But it, it, you know, with that tangent, like I'm still, I'm still big on getting Kuzma. Like if you can do it with like one of Herder or Barnes, and then maybe maybe like add in Davey on there and maybe you can squeeze in Tyus Jones as well. Like maybe add a, another, a protected pick in there somewhere. I, I don't know. But that would be interesting. Like that would definitely be an upgrade. But we'll see like what happens. Um, it, it's, look, it's looking to be maybe a quiet trade deadline in that there's not going to be any big stars uh, being traded. But, you know, there, there's there, there, there's hope. Um well, like, what I would say is that you, you never know until it actually happens. Like, circumstances can change out of nowhere. Um, and we'll see if the Kings are, are involved in any trades. Like, maybe they just make a, uh, maybe they just make um, a Kessler Edwards type trade where they get a defensive player or like an offensive player, and he just kind of fits into the rotation. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, um, we'll we'll see um if there's a trade between now and wednesday and then uh yeah the actual deadline is on thursday so you know there's some, there's gonna be some chaos i think but we'll see if the kings are actually going to be involved hi listeners we have partnered with hyv designs to bring you a discount on their store please go to etsy.com slash shop slash H-Y-V-D-E-S-I-G-N-S and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount on their items. They have everything from King's Light the Beam memorabilia to BTS light sticks to Genshin Impact coasters and much more. Check out their store on Etsy.com and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount. Link in the description. Okay, you know we got to talk about it. So over the weekend, the so we saw we me and Fong talked about it um, on last episode. It looks like it's gonna be Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania, and of course it was announced on Friday. Me and Fong, of course, were not very happy, but we weren't the only ones. It was almost universally panned online. Um, the the coat. The Cody thing, like a lot of people want Cody to finish the story. You have a contingent of people that are really hyped for this match, uh, but there are not a lot. Like you look at polls just about anywhere in the wrestling internet community, it it all it just felt like everybody hated the idea that the Rockets is going to step in and ruin Cody's story, basically. Um, yeah, basically it was it was very poorly received. 
um we want cody was trending worldwide it was actually trending trending on not worldwide but it was trending on twitter uh when the show was on and it was basically trending all week like it everybody from you know uh the people who listen to fightful all the way to like guys like chiseled adonis like don't like it it is it really was universally panned but then you look at the reaction on friday and you saw like the look the casual fan and the internet wrestling fan is it, it, it's a very different world right the casual fan like the the fans that were in i think it was birmingham alabama love that shit and if you know if you live in the internet long enough like if you're just around the internet enough you you just know like you get kind of sucked into the bubble right and you start to think like, oh, everybody thinks the way I think. But in reality, the internet is a very small place. But then you see at like these live events that, you know, the video package of like wrote of uh, The Rock coming out actually gets booed at, at a live event. Like it, it really just doesn't look great, right? At the same time, I'm pretty sure there will be a lot of people that will absolutely love the match that are not online and they're just there to have a good time like at wrestlemania like the next time the rock makes an appearance he probably gets gets cheered right but you but the thing with wrestlemania is that you are going to get the most hardcore of the hardcore you'll you'll have a big a portion of uh of casual fans who don't follow the product like you know super closely they're just there for the for the good times and vibes right but at the same time, the loudest are always the hardcore fans. You're going to get a lot of hardcore fans who, you know, travel abroad or travel from other cities in the U.S. Like, they come from the U.K., they come from other countries. Like, you're going to get a giant portion of the audience that's going to be that. And those are the hardcore, hardcore fans. And you can guarantee that a, a, a majority of those people ain't gonna love what they're gonna see at uh at wrestlemania and there is a chance that like this this match gets gets the brock lesnar versus roman reigns treatment like the bad version of roman reigns right so we'll see if this is the plan it, it's interesting how they're actually building it so i actually did watch monday night raw today and cody still hasn't made a choice and on smackdown he he did he did very much say I'm not going to finish my story at WrestleMania. I am going to finish it at some point. But he never but he never officially cashed in his championship opportunity and he did not cash it in. It's a weird way to say it. He he did not say he basically he didn't say who he was going to challenge uh at WrestleMania. And it looks like they're kind there's always the possibility that they're going to just swerve us and get cody versus roman somehow because right now the backlash is pretty bad like if you just look anywhere online like it's again it's mostly negative against the rock even at today even on today's raw you heard rocky sucks chance and like you know the interesting thing about this is they're actually acknowledging it like live like seth rollins acknowledged the chant Michael Cole on commentary acknowledged the chant, like saying that, oh, is this 1996 all over again? When, you know, Rock die, Rocky dies, Rocky sucks was, you know, deafening in in arenas at the time. It's it's interesting 
like it, what direction that they're trying to take because like you know back in the cena days like when cena was always getting booed by the by the hardcore let's be honest the grown-up fans um you know they they never truly acknowledge how bad the boos were but like to straight up acknowledge it on raw i'm very interested to see where this is going y you can't say they didn't create a lot of this that this controversy has created a lot of buzz and maybe it's doing its intended purpose of drawing attention from the vince mcmahon stuff even though there's still like news coming out about that it definitely has shifted the conversation away away from it a lot of it anyway so it's very interesting where they're going for this. Like one of my favorite sayings is that is, you know, working yourself into a shoot, like making something that was a storyline into something that is real. But but the other saying, which which is my actual favorite, is is shooting yourself into a work where something that's real turns into a storyline. Like this negative reaction this hatred that has actually turned a lot of the fan base against the rock they might actually channel that to actually you know make cody even more popular and there's a, there's a, you know this is uh this is definitely like me coping with the fact that it probably is going to be rock versus roman <laughs> but it, it it's interesting that it, there's still a possibility that it could be cody versus roman and they're just going to absolutely shut like just, this was absolutely a work even though it might not have started out as one well uh, we won't know for a while whether like they intended to do this or not the signs point to no but you hear the reports like apparently it was like pretty much universally panned backstage from a lot of officials and wrestlers you actually had wrestlers even tweeting about like we want cody uh, I'm pretty sure that's a work because there's no way like a wrestler tweets that and then I don't know if it's gotten deleted but like you know, like a lot of people were like saying, man, Logan Paul got a lot of balls to say this. Come on, man. It, it, it's a work. <laughs> he, he wouldn't say something like that, I don't think. And then you got King uh, Ricochet getting involved as well. And a masterful segment by uh, by uh, today on Raw where, you know, um, Drew McIntyre comes out and it's basically trolling the entire situation where it's a weird breaking of so many uh so many wrestling tropes in the opening promo they even mention like you know they even met to, to i guess like big up uh seth's title they even mention like how roman's matches all finish the same way like they actually use the word finish this like they talked about that and it was such an interesting segment where it really feels like they're leaning into the kind of weird where kayfabe blends in with real life or they're blending real life into kayfabe somehow so it, it's interesting where this is going i like let, let's just hope for the best and we just get cody and then rock and you know fuck fuck off to like you know face roman at saudi arabia because now's not the time like let's let cody finish the story your match with roman does not need the title and you know I, the the main my main issue is with, with it is that I don't think he wins that match the the Rock and the Roman's shtick has gotten so old at this point like you you just need a new champion and you have a you have a tailor made one in Cody like he is the guy to represent your company he has it and he is as hot as he can be right now you you, you probably don't get another chance like this and. They fucked it up last year 
and like they have to make it right this year because if you get if you give it to the rock even if he wins it i don't know like i don't know if that really makes anything better because like you know rock's not gonna defend it all that much i doubt it and then like you you basically waste roman's title reign to build to build up the rock who doesn't need any building up and you just waste that opportunity so We'll we'll see what happens. It's in it's gonna be an interesting road to WrestleMania. We still have Elimination Chamber in between, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll again we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Apparently, George Kittle, a uh, big wrestling fan, uh, it's too bad Fong's not here to talk about it. But uh, you know he um he said that he would love to see you know Co- Cody versus Roman, and with Rock as a special guest referee. I personally don't want to see him as a special guest referee. If you if you make it a triple threat, I can I can live with that. I, personally, I don't think The Rock can do a singles match with Roman. Like you're you're talking like twenty something minute match, uh, and the risk with like with The Rock just being you know being older now, and just probably not in ring shape, and also like just he, he like we just saw with CM Punk like the man is. CM maybe he's not like CM Punk maybe he doesn't get injured all the time but the injury risk is so high right that I don't know if he lasts the 20 minute match and then of course you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna run the risk of like just fans turning on that match because they want to see Cody and you're probably gonna get a lot of like Roman sucks Rocky sucks (laughs) fuck you Rocky fuck you Roman like that would be a pretty funny chance to just ruin the ruin the event altogether so Again, I'm willing to I'm willing to be patient and see where this goes, but I do ultimately want it to be uh, Rock versus Roman, or not Rock versus Cody versus Roman, and I don't want Rock as a special guest referee because that opens up the possibility that the Rock is going to turn on Cody. Now, of course, you can also have go the other way and have him turn on Roman, but like that means Cody doesn't win clean. Like that, you take that away. Like again, you kind of just you chip away at the moment. Like the, this moment needs to be Cody just winning clean, fair and square. There could be interference, and it could be evened out. But like he needs to win clean. So that's my take on the situation right now. We'll see how it unfolds in the coming in the coming days. Apparently, they're gonna have a press conference at uh, in Vegas on Thursday. We'll see how that one turns out. Like, is he gonna get booed there? You know. Uh, like are the fans there just going to be mostly casual fans who are just happy to see the rock or are there going to be a lot of hardcore fans that gonna they're going to want to see cody or maybe even casual fans that want to see cody who knows very interesting time in wwe right now what a road to wrestlemania we're gonna have especially if it ends up in what we want <laughs> if it doesn't end up what we want fuck fuck all this it's gonna be looking back like man that was some bullshit that we went through right okay that's all I have uh, for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'll catch you guys back on the next one. Thank you.